Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. We give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today we're continuing the series we began last week entitled Church Hurt. Was anybody here last week for Church Hurt? If not, anybody catching on? iTunes or Spotify or any of those ways, uh, you know, any of those outlets. Of course, we've said that almost everyone who has regularly attended church at one has at one time suffered church hurt. Can anybody say that's true? True about you? Yeah. And and you know, we define church hurt as emotional distress uh, or harm credited to the institution of church. And we said that it really is generally the result of being mistreated by church people or church leadership. And you know that you may have been uh, experienced church hurt because somebody lied on you, somebody cussed you out, somebody gossiped, you, gossiped about you, uh, maybe somebody uh, just didn't value you or, or, you know, treat you correctly. Maybe they weren't there for you when you needed them to be there for you. Uh, maybe you had leadership that had some type of moral failure, uh, whatever the reason is, uh, church hurt hurts. It's kind of sticky. You know, I, I know in my house, in one, of, uh, in one of the bathrooms I have, I had some scriptures on the, on the mirror, and I saw it, and they'd been up there for a couple of years. So I was like, let me just peel this off. And, man, I, I don't, I, I, it took like five minutes because that tape just is hard to get it off. You know, it took a while to dig off every piece of tape. And that's how church hurt is, man. It is stick to you. You know, you, you know, you think about this thing five years later, ten years later, if you don't deal with it correctly. And so what we're doing in this series is helping you to heal from church hurt and also teaching you how to deal with it when those type of things happen in the future. And last week we learned that it is not God's fault that actually Satan uses people to cause church hurt. And his goal is to get you to curse God. His goal is to get you to back away from your relationship with God, to back away from God's people, because when you do that, now you're more vulnerable to his attacks. We learned that indeed God wants you at church around his people because that's where he does so many wonderful things in our lives that he wants us to get to the place where we overcome what Satan is trying to do through people, and we get to uh, come closer to him together. Today, I want to go a step farther, and so we're going to start in Exodus chapter 1. i got a little bit of an echo up here. I don't know how, how you guys are hearing me, if that's just me. But in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to look at Israel when they were slaves uh, in Egypt. And verse 13 says, so the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. The message translation says, crushing them under the cruel workload. So, of course, if you know the story, you know that uh, Israel actually came into Egypt as guests, but they kept multiplying. And eventually, uh, Egypt had a new king who was afraid of Israel. So they decided to enslave them, first of all, with the goal of just getting them to leave on their own. Eventually, uh, what happened was Israel just kept growing. And so they just began to be extremely cruel to them. 
And that's what the scripture is talking about, that they made their lives bitter. You know, they had them uh, making mortar, making bricks, building cities. They were, you know, back-breaking work. They were slaves, and they were treated ruthlessly. And this happened for hundreds of years. And so when you read Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, you read about what God says to Moses when he's about to send Moses to deliver them. And he said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Get this. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. The message translation says, I know all about their pain. What jumps out at me, one word, if you look at the the original Hebrew, because the Old Testament comes from Hebrew originally, one word that, that jumps out at me is the word affliction, and it literally means depression and misery. And God was literally saying, I see what's happening to them. I see how depressed they are. I see how miserable they are. I know their pain. I've heard their cries to me. That word cries means to shriek in anguish. God says, I I hear it all. And it's very similar to how a parent is with a new baby. Uh, There's something, I don't know, I can't explain it, but I know it was true for us, and I've seen it with other people as well, that we could be in a place and there's 20 people, and people are talking and playing and laughing, and, and, and your kid could be in the next room. And in the middle of all that noise, when your kid cries, you recognize it, right? You could be playing a game. You could be talking to somebody, but let your kid cry. And your ears perk up and what was going on. And that's what God said. I heard their cry. And he actually went on to say to Moses, now I've come down to deliver them. Well, if you are someone who has suffered from church hurt, God has heard your cry. God has seen what's happened to you, and God has heard your cry to God. This was wrong. This hurts. I'm I'm angry. I'm mad. Do something about this, God. God has heard that. So much so that uh, in Genesis chapter 4, we read about Abel. And if you know the story of Cain and Abel, you know that, you know, they really had an issue over church. I mean, God had a time where they they would bring offerings to him. And Cain brought of the ground, and Abel brought of the first fruits of the ground. In other words, Abel tithed, gave God the best of what he had. Cain tipped. He gave God what was left. So God accepted what Abel gave him. God did not accept what Cain gave him. And Cain was mad. He was so mad he ended up murdering his own brother. And in verse 10, God says something very interesting to Cain. It says, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. That's deep. Your brother's blood is crying out to me. It's saying, I've been done wrong. It's crying for justice. And in a sense, you're, this, that's what's happening for you. God is hearing that cry. God is hearing. He can hear your heart. He can see the hurt that has been caused as a result of somebody else's actions. And by the way, God is a God who will make things right for you. 
He, the Bible says it is right for him to trouble those that trouble you. The Bible says don't you bother trying to get revenge. Vengeance is mine. God will take care of, of what has happened to you and those that have done you wrong. Now, he is also, though, a God who gives people space to repent. In other words, God will allow a person to do something for a while, and, and judgment doesn't happen right away because he's trying to give them a chance to get it right, to recognize I messed up and come before God and maybe even come before you and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, we should be thankful that God gives space to repent. I know you may not feel that way, but think about it in this way. There are things in your life or areas of your life where God has given you space to repent, Right? I mean, if, if God got on us every time we made a mistake, we'd be, we probably wouldn't be here. But God's given us space, so don't expect God to judge people for things they did against you unless you're ready for him to judge you too. Okay, y'all didn't, want, y'all didn't like that part, but I, I just I had to throw that in there. My point is that God has heard your cry. God's seen what's happened to you. God knows how it made you feel. And so go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. And it says there, give all your worries, all your worries, and cares to God. Now, that'll preach by itself. All of them. We tend to give some of them to God, but the most, the, the worst situations, we want to carry that worry ourselves. You notice he didn't even say, give all your problems to me. Of course, you're supposed to do that. He says, I don't even want you worrying about it. Why would he feel that way? For he cares about you. Somebody say, God cares about me. Say it again. God cares about me. He cares about you. He cares about how you feel. He cares about about if your heart's broken. He cares about if you're confused because of what's happened to you. You know, in Matthew chapter 9, we see an example of how how Jesus looks at, at people and how he looks at us. In verse 36, it says that when he looked out over the crowd, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd. He's looking at people and his heart's breaking. A number of places in the Bible where it says he was moved with compassion. His heart's not breaking because of what he's going through. It's because of what the people that he cares about going through. Many of us have watched those commercials on television from time to time. They'll show some kids in Africa and they're, they're just they're too skinny because they haven't eaten. You can see how they're suffering, and, and it makes your heart break. Well, God looks at people like that all over the world, and that's part of why he has the gospel being preached and churches being started and ministries out here feeding people and, and helping people because he cares. And he even cares about when somebody has hurt you at church. He actually cares about that. You know, the Bible teaches that the very hairs on your head are numbered. God knows how many hairs are on your head. You don't know that. Unless you have zero, then you know that. But You know what I'm saying? But he knows every hair on your head. The Bible says when you were, you were in the process of, you were in your mother's womb and you were, you, know, you were developing, God paid attention to every aspect of your development. Like a parent who who, you know, is reading that book, what to expect when you're expecting. And I remember with my wife, you know, particularly with the first one, every month she'd say, this is what's happening with the baby right now. And that's how God is. He, he felt that way about you. The Bible says his thoughts about you are more than there is sand on the seashore. He thinks about you that much. He cares about you. So he cares about anything that hurts you. 
as a parent, as a father, I've got three daughters. And, you know, I'm actually the kind of guy that doesn't, I'm usually uh, pretty laid back. It, It takes a lot to get me upset unless you mess with one of my daughters. And I'm still working on that. I'm just being real. Some of the guys know what I'm talking about. You know, even with minor things, you know, my daughter's upset because you did something or you did, or even, you know, my kids play sports and the coach did this or something. And, and it's like I become another person. I have found, even going to some of my kids' games just this year, I was like, man, I got to learn to go sit by myself because I just start talking. This is crazy. What they doing? And I was just like, man, I, I mean, come on, Dre. It's just a different animal. And, and, and it's just sports. It's not like the biggest thing in the world. But there's just a care, a care for my kid. And, and that's how God feels about us. So when he sees things happen, man, he, he's not looking at you and saying, all right, just get over it. He's saying, I care about that. I'm sorry that happened to you. And, and, and the thing about this scripture is what's implied is that you got to give that care to God because he cares for you so much, he'll take care of. And that's how he is. He'll say, hey, man, just give your care to me, and I will take care of that situation. But not only will he take care of the situation, but look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says in verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, get this, and the source of all what? Of all what? Of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Comforted people comfort people. But notice here, they, the Bible tells us that God is a God not just of, of power, not just of love, not just of justice. He's also a God of comfort, that he actually comforts us in all of our trouble. If you were to keep reading this opening a scripture, you find out that the Bible teaches that however, however deep or however awful the suffering, there is comfort available. There is nothing you will go through that is greater than the comfort God has for you. In other words, God can make you whole in your heart no matter what has happened to you. He literally has made comfort available to you if someone you love has died, if you've been raped, or what any type, any kind of thing, you've been in the middle of war, whatever horrible thing that can happen to you, God says, I've got some comfort for you. I will comfort you. I will, Jesus said it this way, I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Not just see that your heart's broken and kind of pat you on the hand. I'm anointed to heal it. The Bible says in Job chapter 5, he binds up the wounded heart. So God is saying that I have comfort for you. I've got a way to heal you on the inside. And thank God that many of us uh, have received God's healing in our bodies. We've been healed of of issues physically, and some of us, we still need that. But most of us probably could stand to be healed on the inside. There's probably some area of your life where, you know, you're kind of broken right now. And and maybe you try to just kind of, you know, sweep it under the rug, or maybe you try to just ignore, you know, you, you, you try to just live with, even though it didn't, it happened, just kind of keep on going. But God is saying, I don't want you living like that. I want you to be healed on the inside. I want you whole and healthy. And that's why I've made available to you my comfort. 
God wants you comforted, and he's made comfort available to you. God's actually eager to comfort you. About, I guess about 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, I, I hurt my knee playing basketball and ended up tearing something. And so I went to this one doctor, and I had been to him before because I had a little minor issue before, but and I was trying to figure out what it was, and he kind of looked at it and was like, you know, you're all right. So, okay, fine. So when I did this injury, when I did it one day playing ball, and I came back to him, and he, I guess he had an MRI done, and he could see I had a tear, and he became a different man. He was all of a sudden so excited. Oh, yeah, you got this, and you need two surgeries. And I'm like looking at him like, bro, why are you so excited? And I realized this is what he cares about. Right? Helping people heal. In fact, he cared a little too much because he wanted to give me two surgeries. I only needed one. So he didn't get to do my surgery. I just want you to know that. I was like, oh, I'm finding somebody else. And I did. But, you know, he, that's what excited him. What excites God is when you're hurting and he gets a chance to take you in his arms and help you heal. He cares. And he's, he wants to make you whole again. He's given you comfort. He's made it available to you. So how do I take advantage of that? Because really to, for God to heal you of church hurt, you got to work with him. You got to work with him. If God's so eager, how come so many people are heartbroken? Because they haven't worked with him. So let's look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Notice something that Jesus said. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Somebody say anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. You can pray for anything, anything. Now, of course, he's not just talking about physical things or natural things, as, as we could, Christians might call it, but he's even referring to supernatural things, spiritual things. In fact, if you were to look at the Scripture before this, he just finished saying, if you speak to a mountain, God will move it. I mean, no, that's supernatural, Right? So he's not just talking about natural things, things that anybody can, else can do. He's talking about supernatural things. And one of those things we just found out is available to, you, to us is God's supernatural comfort. You know, that's a supernatural thing that can be yours. You can be healed on the inside. And he's telling us how to get it here. He's saying when you, when you pray, believe that you've received it. And it will be yours. We just finished preaching about this in our last series, Faith Delivers. We learned that when you go to God about anything, you've got to believe you get it at when you say amen. Before you feel it, before you see it, before anybody else recognizes it, you've got to say, you've got to believe that God is so good and God is so reliable that as soon as I ask for it, it's done. Just like when I play, make an a place an order on Amazon.com. As soon as I press that button, I consider it done. I'm just waiting for the delivery. That's how faith works. And that's what you have to do even when it comes to comfort. You literally have to go before God and ask him for it. Say, God, man, I'm hurting. Comfort me. And when you pray it, I believe I take it now. I am now officially comforted. The order has been placed. But I don't feel any different. But I believe I've received it. So I will have it. There's going to be a moment where I'm going to walk around and go, man, I'm doing really good. This, this happened, and it's like it never happened. You know, it's like those Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace, and they came out not even smelling like smoke. 
there'll come a point where God will comfort you and he'll be like, you know, somebody mentioned it. You, you almost forgot that that ever occurred. I, I think I've shared this before here, but when I was first a pastor uh, and I was 21 years old and I was co-pastoring a church in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'll never forget this because this was the first time I had to do what some people call a funeral, we call a home going. And so there was uh, one Sunday, there was this guy there, his wife, his kids. He was probably in his mid-30s. Uh, you know, his wife was about the same. They had a couple kids, like maybe, I'd say, eight and five. One Sunday, they were at church. The next Sunday, he was dead. And she was a stay-at-home wife. She didn't have another job. She had no other source of income. So here I am, 21 years old. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. My dad was the, quote-unquote, senior pastor, but I was the one on the ground. So he, he wasn't able to come to Phoenix to deal with this. I had to deal with this. So I'm sitting across from this 30-something-year-old woman. I'm 21 years old, and all I know to do is open a Bible. Let me just tell you what the Bible says. And we start talking about how God will comfort you, how God will give you peace. And if there's anybody that should be losing their mind, it's this woman, right? She just lost her husband. She don't know how they're going to eat. And then I watched God do something so supernatural with her. I mean, he provided for every need. And, it, you know, a little later, we're sitting in my office again, and she's telling me, Pastor, it's just, so, it's just so amazing, this peace that I have, this, com- this, this, this comfort, this peace that I've got. And, you know, and, and, and if, you were to look, if anybody else were to look at her, they'd say, you, you should be losing your mind. How are you making it? And she's like, I just, I don't even, I can't explain it. The Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. God had comforted her. And I learned then, at 21 years old, this is real, that you could really be in a horrible place and be completely fine. That's how, how Paul could be, at, at, the Bible teaches he was in a dungeon. In fact, history tells us that it was a dungeon where he was standing in sewage. And he writes the book of Philippians and says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You're writing about joy standing in sewage? How is that possible? God. God God can comfort you. God can heal your heart of anything. But the way you get it is you got to ask for it. It's just that simple. You literally got to say, God, I'm asking you to comfort me, and I believe I received that comfort. I am officially comforted. Just like I placed an order and it's on the way, I've already placed my order. I got God's comfort. I'm not going to be heartbroken anymore. Now, you might say, well, that sounds good, Pastor, but, you know, it might work for a moment, but I don't know how, how long that's going to last. Well, that's why the rest of the Scripture is so important here. Verse 25, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding, that's a big word, a grudge against. Y'all were with this message until that particular moment. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Mm. Yeah, thank you for the one clap, the the one amen that was out there. Notice this was tied to the Scripture before. In other words, if you don't do this part, you're going to have a hard time doing the other part. One reason why some people say, I, I don't feel comfort, comforted is because you haven't let go of what they've done to you. 
God is saying, when you are praying, same prayer, first you actually need to forgive them. That literally means to let him go, to, to, to yield. Anyone you are holding a grudge against, anyone, no exceptions. Most people can hear something like that, and we can forgive about 80% of the people. 90%, but there's that 10% like, I will never, ever forgive that fool. Ever. And God's saying, anyone of anything. Once again, there are some things we're, we're quick to forgive got people for, but there are other things we just, we're, we're saying, you know, and, and we've had some horrible things happen to us. And God's saying, you need to forgive them for anything, of anything they've ever done to you anything. I was talking to a friend this week, and he shared something with me that, that he heard, you know, from a, a coach, a life coach kind of a guy, and, and it was said about a particular relationship, and he was saying, all right, prisoners have a release date. So when it, what's, what's your spouse's release date? He said, what are you talking about? He said, even, even a prisoner who's committed a crime and they've been judged, there's still a date where they'll finally be out of prison. When are you going to let your spouse out of prison? Ooh. And he said, we're going to let yourself out of prison. And that's part of the issue. Some of us, we put some folk in prison forever. <laughs> like you serving five consecutive life sentences for what you did to me. And God said, That's, that won't fly. That won't fly. You've been holding on to this grudge. You're holding on. And you need to let it go. And you need to let it go, first of all, because that's justice. God has said it. We won't go there. But in Matthew 18, he talks about a man who was forgiven a millions of dollars of debt and then turned around and found somebody who owed him what was really about $20 and wouldn't forgive him and had him thrown in prison. And how the, the king that forgave the man a million dollars of debt found out, and, you know, he confronted him and said, man, I forgave you all of this. You couldn't forgive him of this. And Jesus was making a point that, you know, basically, you know, God has forgiven all of us of so much more than what anyone has done to us. And so that's why God's saying, man, if you won't forgive them, you're putting yourself in a position where you can have a problem with me. So when you think of it like that, it is just. And no matter what somebody has done to you, you ought to forgive them. But second of all, you got to forgive them before you can receive comfort. Right? First forgive, then ask and receive. You got to let it go. You got to let it go before God can heal you. I've got a balloon on stage here. And, you know, if you ever go to a party and afterwards, you know, my kids have done this, the kids get balloons. And then we run outside. And then, you know, let's let it go, Daddy. Let's let it go. And they let it go. And, then, of course, we watch the balloon until we can't see it anymore. Some of us, this is your, your offense right here. This is your grudge. You're, you're, you're mad at your, your pastor. You're mad at your, you know, that, that man in the church, that woman in the church. You're mad. Some of us, is beyond church hurt. You're mad at your boss. 
You're mad at the black man, the white man, the Republican man, the Democrat man, the any man. I mean, you're mad at somebody. And today, you need to let it go. I won't let it go in this place. I don't think the music hall would be happy with me. Then they have a grudge against me. But today, you need to let it go. Act, pretend like you got a balloon in your hand, if you would. Just put your hand up like you got a balloon in your hand. Now, just let it go. Let that offense go. Let that grudge go. Right now, take, let, release them folk from prison and say, all right, I forgive them. Come on, you willing to do that? I forgive them. It's time to let it go. It's time to make a decision that I'm not living my life upset at other people. You probably heard it said before, walking in unforgiveness or bitterness, is what the Bible says, is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt another person. You're just eating up your own insides. They're probably not even thinking about you anymore. You're giving them free rent in your head. And no wonder you can't heal. Because you can ask God for comfort all you want. But if he starts to heal up your heart and then you keep peeling back the scab, what good has that done? That's why Philippians 4, 8 is really important. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Notice what he didn't say. And think about all those times when them church people did you wrong. That's not in that list, is it? It's not even talking about your marriage. Don't, it didn't say think about when your, your, your husband was an idiot. You, know, you get the point. He's, no, think about these things. Once you choose to let go of this, then refuse to relive the past. Don't think about it anymore. Don't talk about it anymore. I'm going to say it again. Don't think about it anymore. Don't talk about it anymore. Why? Because when you do, you're just peeling the scab back off. And now you, well, God, come for me again. God, like, man, this is the 75th time. And he'll still give you comfort. But the problem here isn't that God's not there to help. It's that you just keep going back over this thing. You keep thinking about it. And the thing about the past is that you, you can't change it. You can't change it. Most of us have had that, that, that thought of, man, if I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self this, that, and the other. Some of us would tell people not who not today. You know, a lot of stuff. But you know what? You can't go back in time. There is no DeLorean. There is no time machine. You can't go back. You can't change what you did or what somebody else did. So why spend all of your time thinking about it and getting upset about something that already happened? You've got to learn to change the channel in your, in your mind. You know, when you're watching television, and, and I know with my kids sometimes I'll be trying to watch the game or something, and, and, you know, that's in our house usually the game is on. It's pretty safe. You don't have to worry about a whole bunch of junk. But every once in a while a commercial will come on. That you'll be like, whoa. And either I got the remote or I'm telling my wife, you got to change that before my kids see that. You know, some of these horror com commercials have caused children to sleep in my bed for days on end. Right? So what do you do? You change the channel. You don't just keep looking at it like, hey, baby, check that out. See that spinning head? Look at that, baby. 
because you will lose your bed forever. Right? Same thing. You can't just keep watching this channel in your mind. They did this. This is why they did this. This is what is wrong. God, you got to, I want lightning to fall from heaven and make them a greasy spot right now, God. And you're doing the same thing. And every time somebody says something about church, yeah, I went to church and these church people did this and this pastor did that and this. Come on, man. Change the channel. Think about something that's good and just. We talked about it last week. Most of us have experienced some really great things at church. We've met some great people. God has spoken to us. God's healed us. God's helped us understand our purpose. We, our lives have been changed. I mean, if you're going to think about church, think about the 80, 90% that's been good rather than focusing on the 10 or 20% that has not. That'll help you to heal from what the hurt that has been caused in your heart. But you got to change the channel. You got to make a decision to let what's dead be dead. Don't die with what's dead. I was listening to a story this week, and a minister was talking. And he was talking about, and I think I'd heard about this before, this guy who was a, uh, he was a climber. And he was out there by himself. And somehow or another, you know, I don't know, he fell or there was a, a, some rocks start falling. He got pinned by a boulder. His arm was pinned. And he could not get his arm out of this boulder. I mean, he tried everything. He chipped away at it for hours on end. and I mean, he tried everything he could to get his arm out. And after a couple of days, he's running out of food. He's running out of water. I mean, he's, he's going to die. And he got to the place where you couldn't even feel his arm. It was dead. So he came to a point where he made a decision. Either I'm going to die with this dead arm or I'm going to cut it off and I'm going to live. He cut his arm off, went and walked for a couple miles, found somebody, he lived. Some of us, we've been dying with a dead arm. It already happened. There's nothing you can do about it. But you've allowed her to push you away from God. And so your life is a wreck. It's a wreck because you don't have God in it. Because you think that just kind of going, you know, reading my Bible every once in a while and you know, maybe I might pray if I'm in trouble. It's going to be enough. You don't have what he had planned. So you're just going to get farther and farther away from God, and, and, and you, you, you're dying because you won't cut off what happened in the past. You won't let it go. You won't let it keep you. You, you let it keep you from God's people and God's plan for your life. But it's time to let the dead be dead. It's time to let the past die and go ahead and live the future God has for you. It's time to heal. And the way you're going to heal is when you do what Jesus said. You forgive. It's when you choose to not think about this anymore. And then you ask God for his comfort. And God will comfort you. And God will send people to comfort you. So one reason why you got to stay connected in a church because, you know, one of the things that we're supposed to do for each other is encourage each other. The Bible talks about how the tongue of the wise brings health, how a word in due season, it, how good it is. God has a way of having people say something to you that's exactly what you need to hear when you need to hear it, and it just helps you. 
I had a couple conversations like that this week where I'm just sitting across from people looking at them like they're an angel. Like, how would you even know to say that? How would you even know? That was exactly what I needed to hear. And that's why you need to stay connected. Because just like sometimes Satan will use people to hurt you, far more God will use people to heal you. So even today, we're here. Hopefully, this message is helping you to heal. It's time to heal. Whatever was done to you, in church or out of church, whatever happened to you, let's let it go. Let's let the past be the past. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and, and cut it off and stop thinking about it, stop talking about it, and let's ask God for his comfort and his help, and God will give it to you, and God will make you whole again, and now you'll be stronger and even wiser and able to do what God wants you to do. And Jeremiah 29 really sums that up where it just tells us God's intention for us. He says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. God said this to his people when they were dealing with a bunch of hurt because of their own mistakes. How much more is this still true for you when others have hurt you? If you'll just stick with God and you'll stick with his ways, you'll find that your future is bright. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.